Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Identity Insights by Indicio. Today, I'm joined by Indicio Architect and Deputy CTO Sam Curran to discuss uh, what information is stored on a decentralized ledger. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Sam. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, could you please start us off with a quick explanation of what a ledger is and the role it plays in a decentralized ecosystem? Yeah. So a ledger provides storage for assets that facilitate uh, trusted identity interactions. So when you're exchanging verifiable credentials, there's a handful of information that needs to be known by all of the participants in the ecosystem. Um, and a ledger is a really convenient place to put that. Um, and so that, that includes um, uh, a variety of assets that, uh, that make that happen. Okay, uh, so what are those assets? What exactly is stored on the ledger? You need a, a DID for all the public entities that includes issuers uh, and can also include verifiers, um, but uh, but also you need a, a schema for each of the credentials and you need a credential definition as well for each issuer of those credentials. Um, also stored on a ledger is a revocation registry accumulator that keeps track of and helps to signal the revocation status of credentials in a privacy respecting way. Awesome, uh, so those all sound you know, super important and, and a little bit technical. Uh, would you mind going into a little bit detail of what each of those, you know, assets are and kind of what role they play in the ecosystem? Sure. Uh, DIDs, uh, or decentralized identifier, is a is an identifier that's linked to public keys and a service endpoint. And, and those are useful uh, to, to be able to verify the credentials that are issued by a particular issuer, for example. And the endpoint helps you, helps you know how to communicate with, uh, with that party as well. Um, a credential schema is the definition of the different fields that are involved in a credential. So if you look at your driver's license, for example, you have your name and your address and, and, and uh, in the, you know, the, the city you live in, for example, are there. Each of those would be attributes within a schema. So that's the, 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 the expectation of what information will be in the, in the credential itself. A credential definition is, uh, is, is specific to the use of uh, seal signatures with the non-creds uh, as provided by Indy. And, uh, and a credential definition links a cryptographic key to each of the attributes uh, in a credential schema for an issuer. And, and that allows for the, the, the selective disclosure technologies that, that a non-creds provides to give us the privacy that we need. So the credential definition is like a link between a schema and an individual issuer with the cryptographic information necessary to create the credential in a privacy preserving way. The revocation registry accumulator, that's a mouthful, um, is, a, is a way of signaling, in a, in, again, in a privacy respecting way, which credentials have been revoked and which credentials have not been revoked. And the, the revocation registry accumulator, it's called an accumulator because the, 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 the information about which credentials have been revoked and which uh, are not are wrapped up into uh, what's called an accumulator that allows for proofs against that accumulator without actually revealing all, revealing all the information. So it's not just a list. This is, oh, credential seven and credential 52 uh, are revoked. Um, it, it is wrapped up in a, in a way that can be used as part of a cryptographic calculation to prove that your that your credential has not is not in the set of those credentials that have been revoked, and so uh, we call that a proof of non-revocation. That uh, when you when you uh, when you are using revocation, you can provide a proof of non-revocation alongside your credential, and that way the verifier of the credential knows that it is not one of those that has been revoked. And so the revocation registry accumulator is simply the the, the record of that accumulator, that cryptographic value on the ledger that can be used in the preparation of the proof of non-revocation. 
And so that's it. Those, those are, that's a description of, of each of those objects. Um, we, we talk about keys and cryptographic keys and cryptographic material. Um, that uh, there's a much longer conversation needed to get into detail about those. But, but uh, generally, those exist as, as sets of, of numbers that are used in cryptographic operations uh, in order to, to prove things or to sign things or to encrypt things um, as, as part of the, the process. So if you, I'm not a cryptographer, and I suspect <laughs> most of you are not either. And so that's a little bit of a description of, of what that's for. So when I say a key, I don't mean a physical key. I mean a, a number, a, a really large number that's used in a mathematical operation as part of cryptography. Okay. Um, so what is not stored on the ledger, right, that is interacted with in the ecosystem? There's a long list of what's not stored on the ledger, but it boils down to a couple of things. Um, no personal identifiable, uh, identifiable information of any kind is recorded on the ledger. Um, nothing uh, about the issuance of an individual credential is recorded on the ledger, not even with the revocation registries. The technology used um, is only used or updated during revocation and in a way that does not uniquely identify credentials. So we have all the privacy features that we need. And we, we also don't even store DIDs for individuals on the ledger. Um, we use peer DIDs uh, for the participants uh, that are interacting. And so those aren't recorded on a ledger either. So you can have an ecosystem of thousands and thousands of credentials issued to thousands and thousands of people um, with only like three or four rights to the ledger ever because of the of the credential type, uh, you know, the, the schema and the credential definition. And then, of course, the issuer did. And then uh, and then whatever is required for the revocation registries, which is which is only a, a right to create. And then um, and then revocation uh, uh, requires updating that. But but it's pretty simple. So, so very little is actually um, goes on there, um, and that's a confusing piece. Is sometimes you know we talk people misunderstand that verifiable credentials are are written to the ledger, and verifiable credentials are never written to the ledger, um, not even in encrypted form. So no personal identifiable information. How is it ensured that none of that personal identifying information uh, ends up on the ledger? So ledger rights are uh, are required to be endorsed by a party as, as specified by the governance of the of the ledger that uh, that you're interacting with, and that governance uh, states the rules of, of how that actually occurs and in in limits of course what can be written and there's explicit rules about recording personal identifiable information on the ledger even even like you know accidentally meaning that there, it's it, it's set up to not allow that to happen. And then the, the, the responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen for each individual right um, rests with the, um, with the transaction endorsers who uh, play the role of enforcing that, um, that governance on the ledger uh, at the point of endorsing transactions for being written. So okay. there's mechanisms in place specifically to prevent that from happening. All right. Um, so right, if you like you said, there's only ever like or can be as little as like three to four rights on the ledger ever. Uh, would you mind walking us through what an interaction with the ledger might look like? Yeah, so um, you're either reading your writing to uh, reading from the ledger or writing to it. Uh, when you're reading from it, you create a, a request for that information as a read transaction, and then you submit it uh, directly to a ledger node. And then the ledger responds with the information that you're looking for. Um, when you're writing to the ledger, it's a little more involved on purpose. Um, you create the, the transaction that you want, for example, the registering of a DID or the creation of a schema, and then you uh, it needs to be signed by a transaction endorser. And the transaction endorsers are, are authorized parties within the, the, the governance of, of the ledger to um, they can run the checks that we're, we've talked about, uh, and then they'll sign it. You can then uh, you then take that uh, transaction and you submit it to a ledger node, and then it will be included in the ledger as long, of course, as it's been signed by a transaction endorser per the policy. So um, 
It's a little more involved. And again, this isn't something that happens a lot. Um, it only happens at, you know, with, with changes to the, the, the creation of or, or changes to sort of basics of an ecosystem. Um, so it's, it's an infrequent action, but that, that's how it works. Um, so it, it sounds fairly complicated, right? Uh, what are the benefits to using a ledger? Why would you want to use one? Are there any alternatives out there? So this question comes up a lot, including, well, if you're only going to write like four things to the ledger, why have a ledger at all? And the ledger performs a really important role um, in supporting the ecosystem. Uh, so let's talk about what a ledger actually provides and what you would need to do if you wanted to not use a ledger. Um, uh, the, the ledger provides immutability. And what that means is that the, the data the, that you're referring to it can't be changed. Uh, this is important. Having the schema change underneath a credential is, is, is a problem. Um, and so specifying the schema in an immutable way means that everyone is looking at the same copy of the schema. There's not like the ability to, 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 to like swap out the data underneath it without anyone knowing. So immutability is really important. It also provides tamper resistance. Uh, because of the ledger structure, uh, it makes it very, very difficult for, for a, a malicious actor to get in there and change stuff. For example, uh, to change the private key associated with the DIB. Uh, that would be an attack, and using a ledger makes it very difficult because you have to compromise a very significant number of nodes in order to, in order to execute that attack to change that data. If that data was simply recorded in one database somewhere, then that's the only place that you'd have to compromise. So tamper resistance. It also uh, provides high availability uh, because there are a lot of nodes that run the ledger and you can talk to any of those nodes. Um, then if one node goes down for any particular reason, then the information is still uh, very highly available for, for, for reading and making that happen. Um, and the other one, depends a little bit on the individual governance of the ledger, but it often provides geopolitical and infrastructure diversity. Uh, so geopolitical, meaning it's in uh, different countries or even different regions of a country, um, is, is very helpful for like a disaster recovery perspective. Um, you know, if there's if there's something affecting the West Coast or the East Coast of the United States, for example, then and then then there's there's some resiliency in the in the architecture there um, uh, by having uh, nodes spread around in a ledger fashion. It also provides infrastructure diversity uh, in the case that if you have all of the um, all of the nodes or, or all of the sources of that information hosted in one particular spot, then it means that um, you know a backhoe digging through a fiber line can take a, an important asset offline. And and so I mean we talk about natural disasters, but often backhoes are the natural are the unnatural disaster, and and that could be a problem too. And so um, and so having diversity both geopolitical and uh, and infrastructure can be a really useful feature that you have. So why use a ledger? Um, if you are not going to use a ledger, and it's possible to run an ecosystem without a ledger, but you have to be prepared to, to fill these needs as applicable to your problem. You still need immutability, you still need tamper resistance, you still need high availability, and you still need that diversity in, in, the, in the hosting of that information. And so uh, by the time you set out to create a system that has all of those features, most of the time you arrive having created a ledger. Uh, it, because that's exactly what they were designed to provide. And so uh, it's it's a little bit of a mistake to assume that, uh, that oh, if I don't need a ledger, then then I don't have to worry about it. Um, and in the when you compare a file hosted on a web server uh, to a to an asset that exists and can be read from a ledger, um, they are they are entirely different in all of these aspects in really important ways. So robust ecosystems right now, ledgers are a fantastic answer to get all of the uh, all of the features that we need for those hosted assets. Well, it looks like that is our time. Thank you all so much for watching. If you like the content, please be sure to subscribe to the channel and we'll continue to bring you some more news and interesting information around the decentralized identity space. 
Thank you again to Sam. Uh, if people are wanting to learn a little bit more about ledgers, is there anywhere that you would recommend uh, for them to go learn that information? Yeah, lots of technical information we had in the Hyperledger AD community, um, which is the, the main ledger that we use. And uh, please reach out if you have any questions, we'd be glad to help.